hello and welcome to this special edition of the check-in where we've been joined by some astronauts from NASA and the USA who've come to Heathrow to look behind the scenes at uh, British Airways. Uh, they're visiting London to mark a very special anniversary, the 50th anniversary of the landing of Apollo 16 mission on the moon in 1972. Uh, so we're very pleased to be joined by uh, none other than Charlie Duke, one of those uh, two men, including John Young, who walked on the moon during that mission. Uh, plus uh, Cyan Proctor, who will be joining us shortly, and Susan Kilrain, uh, a famous shuttle pilot. And we're here at the simulator facility in TBA. Uh, can I welcome you uh, personally here? Oh, welcome. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, we're particularly excited about this podcast because uh, we feel that we probably won't be doing very much talking because <laughs> nobody's going to want to listen to us. They're all going to want to listen to you. Um, by way of introduction, um, why don't I hand over to, to you, Charlie? Why don't you start? Just um, tell me a little bit about uh, you and, and why you're here and your role in Apollo 16. Uh, Charlie Duke. Uh, I uh, grew up in South Carolina, fell in love uh, with uh, military when I was World War II, actually, and just afterwards. Yeah. And uh, I, I went to the Naval Academy, uh, graduated, but uh, when I graduated, I fell in love with airplanes at the Naval Academy. So I decided I wanted to fly airplanes. And uh, so I, uh, I back then you could join the Air Force from the Naval Academy. So I went in the Air Force and became a, uh, got my wings, uh, went to Germany for three years as a fighter interceptor pilot. While I was on my way to Germany, they picked the first uh, group of astronauts, the regional seven. So they were the Mercury seven. Yeah, the Mercury oh, right. seven. Yeah, yeah. And so that was the beginning of the space age in my mind. And yeah, uh, so I served in Germany three years and then Na uh, not NASA, but the Air Force sent me back to MIT for a graduate degree, and I met the uh, met some astronauts. Uh, uh, I was working on the Apollo guidance and navigation system, and these guys were so enthusiastic. They and I said, I, "How do I get that job?" Yeah. So uh, <laughs> they gave me some question. advice, yeah. and I followed their advice, and ended up in 1966 at NASA. So, wow. so the training in 1966, what was how intense was it? Uh, at first, uh, you weren't actually in the simulator. We only had two simulators, one in Houston and one in Florida. The one in Florida was always up to configuration, and so if you weren't on a crew, you never got in the simulator. So the first three years I was there, I was never in the simulator, but I, we had geology training. Uh, we did uh, uh, spacecraft uh, work. Uh, we do support crew. And we were the gophers. If the crew yeah. didn't have time to w worry about checklists, uh, that's what we did. You know, yeah. compile a checklist, uh, whatever they wanted us to do, we did. And uh, and so we got used to how it worked. Uh, but uh, I wasn't in a simulator until I was back up on Apollo 13, yeah. uh, which uh, was uh, turned out to be a very dramatic flight. You know. Yeah. <laughs> There's absolutely tons. I mean, we, we could talk all day to, to both of you. Um, so first of all, can I say many congratulations for leaving the Navy and joining the Air Force? Thank you. Uh, a far better move to make. Um, so um, that's wonderful. Um, Susan, can I uh, just get you to introduce yourself as well? It would uh, be lovely to hear from, from yourself. Certainly. I grew up in Augusta, Georgia, watching airplanes take off and land and fell in love with flying. I got my private pilot's license when I was 17 and um, gazing up at the stars knew that I wanted to uh, fly in space 
And when I was in college, the uh, space shuttle started flying. Never occurred yeah. to me that women yeah. couldn't be astronaut. Yeah. And uh, I joined the Navy specifically to become a pilot because the Air Force wouldn't take me. <laughs> they, they lost. They lost. Yeah. Uh, again, my point about the Navy. Yeah. There was a there was a quota for women pilots yeah. back then, and the Air Force was full. So I joined the Navy and never looked back. And after landing on aircraft carriers and going to test pilot school, I found NASA and the space shuttle training to be pretty pretty easy yeah. um, wow. compared to yeah. test pilot yeah. school yeah. Yeah. and yeah. Okay. carrier yeah. landings. And um, very much enjoyed training at NASA. And about two years to the day from me showing up at NASA, I flew my first shuttle flight. Wow. And you're the one of incredible. only three, aren't you? Yeah, there have been three women. Yeah, and you're one I was the second. Yeah. Eileen Collins and Pam Melroy, both from the Air Force, yeah. were the other two women pilots. Yeah. So, so amazing. Can I, can I just ask, because obviously, Charlie, when you went up in space, she was on Saturn, Saturn V, right at the top there, and obviously you was on uh, the space shuttle. What's the difference between, obviously, lift-off for both of you? Obviously, you're sitting on, like, tons of fuel, Charlie, and a little catcher at the top, and... Well, we, uh, let me talk, I, I never flew a shuttle, so let, yeah. her, uh, let mm. Susan talk about that, but uh, uh, the Saturn V was uh, 110 meters tall and uh, had five engines producing seven and a half million uh, pounds of thrust. And uh, when they lit the engines, the, the vibration, uh, the engines moving to control the trajectory, all that translated up to the cockpit and was big shaking from yeah. side to side. No pogo, but just a side yeah. to side shake. And the windows were covered over at this point, so you couldn't see it. <laughs> and oh, so you were just yeah, looking yeah. at your instrument panel, and uh, we it was a gentle liftoff. It was just 1.1 G or something like that as, as a, a thrust of weight. And so it just lifted off, but as you burn out your fuel, you accelerated, and we got to four and a half Gs at, uh, at about two minutes into the flight. Yeah, two minutes. So they shut the engine, the center engine down. The G fell back to four, and when it got up to four and a half again, they, it was a G shut off, not a fuel or depletion or anything. Oh, I see. And then the vibration stopped, uh, and uh, everybody had warned you it's, uh, when the first stage shuts down, you're gonna be in a train wreck. So you go from four and a half G's to zero. Zero, yeah. yeah. Your body's oh, like. <laughs> this is worse than Alton Towers. Yeah, it? yeah. <laughs> And was it for you for your um, lift off? There are many similarities. Our windows weren't covered, okay. So that oh. was so a see. big difference. Yeah. yeah. But the slow lift off, you're you're surprised it. Even though you're accelerating, it's just such a slow, gentle thing. And we do shake around, not nearly no. as bad because we're sure. even with the rockets as opposed to being up on, on top, top of okay. this this yeah. stick. And so it was. Um, uh, not as as violent, I would say, and then the maximum G force for the shuttles three, okay, three G. So sure. it's not. Was, not is the G? Is it a concern for for blacking out? Is that why there was a G shutter for? Is no. it just just instrumentational? Uh, just the way the uh, spacecraft and uh, was built and the and the rocket was built. It was a four and a half G. So, but you're being pushed back in your seat, so it's this not blacked out at all. Yeah, 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 yeah because it's not yeah. G forces like a fighter jet, which is right. this way, and you do worry about blacking out. Yeah, there are G forces because we're laying down oh, our G oh, forces yeah, are, yeah, yeah. are through okay. this axis so mostly you just feel squished yeah you know <laughs> you don't yeah. you no blocking out 
And our, was, our biggest G was on reentry. Uh, okay. okay. We hit the atmosphere like 26,000 miles an hour, 40,000 kilometers per hour. And uh, you get seven and a half G's on, on reentry, and, that, oh, that and that's oh, yeah. a yeah. big pressure on your chest, but you never yeah. never feel like you're going to black out or anything mm -hmm. like that. And reentry in Apollo was real smooth. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a shaky ride. Uh, it was just a smooth acceleration and deceleration and big fireball outside. Mm -hmm. Spectacular. Yeah. Well, you like to make an entrance, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> but did you? At any point, you know, with a 7G on your chest, did you ever feel scared for your health? No. You know, you didn't. Mm -hmm. You know, did you ever worry at any point? They, Apollo had a, 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 an abort that when you, the second stage took you to 100 miles, but you were way short of velocity, orbital velocity. And if you aborted right there, you came straight back down 20 Gs on reentry. One, one. So they put wow. us in a simulator, yeah. I mean, a, 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 a centrifuge, and took us to 15 Gs. Oh, okay. And uh, that was a ride. I mean, you felt like you couldn't hardly breathe. I don't know what 20 Gs would have been like, but nobody had to experience yeah. that. And, so and the space shuttle yeah. coming back into. Um, um, much calmer. And it's, it's, it's more of a glider, isn't it? It no... is a glider. It's a 200,000-pound glider <laughs> with little teeny tiny wings, so it doesn't glide. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a brick falling from the sky, basically. Wow. So we're talking with some of the British Airway pilots, and our glide path is 18 to 20 degrees on final. And Gosh. we don't start raising our nose until we're 2,000 feet over the ground. And in the States, we have a rule like minute to live. You never want your rate of descent to be more than your altitude, because if it is, you have less than a minute to live. Well, that goes completely out the window in the shuttle, because your rate of, of descent is much higher than your altitude. Yeah. Don't tell that to the triple seven guys. <laughs> well, I'm on the flight with you. I'm trapping myself in there. All the three and a half degrees, and it's an emergency in the triple seven. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that nice level... Yeah. So, Susan, so to become a national, what do you think made you kind of stand out? Because loads of people apply to be, what do you think made you stand out? That's a really good question. I honestly didn't think I was going to get selected. I knew they were interviewing, um, they interviewed 120 people, which is pretty typical, out of all the applications. And there were three women pilots interviewing at the same time. I was the most junior I didn't think that there was a chance that I would be selected. And I never thought they would select two at the same time, yeah. but they did. Pam Elroy and I were in the same astronaut class, and I was just very fortunate. And I thought I would have not gotten... I was young. I was the youngest um, person ever to pilot the shuttle. So. Wow. Um, and Charlie was the youngest, youngest person on the moon. Yeah, yeah, on the moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were both yeah. 36 when we did it. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah. But it's good. It's good to to when you speak to the younger generation because I know that you do, just to say, look, I was like you where I didn't think I'm. You know, you all self doubt yourself, don't you? And the fact that you did as well, and the fact that where you are, that just to go for it, you know, it's just yeah, it's inspirational. Very inspirational, inspirational. Very inspirational. Yeah. Definitely. You know, there wasn't even a space program when I was in college. No, no exactly. No. You know, they're probably thinking about you know we're going to launch a a rocket and a satellite, but talking yeah. about people was just a, a dream. Yeah. And uh, I was uh, on the way to Germany in 1959 after I got my wings when the first group, the original seven were selected yeah. and uh, NASA was started and 
Well, my thought was, Al, I'm too young, too inexperienced, I'll never get there. But, uh, you know, the progression yeah. as you go through your career, yeah. and you take a step here and there, and if you make the right decisions, uh, you, you, it turned out for me, I, I made the right decisions yeah. in my career to get to NASA. If I'd have extended another year in Germany, which was a possibility, mm -hmm. and I thought about it because I had a great job as flight interceptor pilot, but if I'd have stayed in Germany another year, I'd have never made it uh, to NASA. Right. Wow. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? So, Flying Martians. Yeah. Definitely. So it was, uh, I just go to MIT. So. That's yeah. And then, and then when you was at NASA, you got to hear those famous words from Neil Armstrong when he landed on the moon, one yeah. small step, and you was on the other end. Oh, because you were Capcom. Yeah. yeah. Level, yeah. You? How did that yeah. feel? And a great sigh of relief. <laughs> yeah. Well, we love your line. Blue. We love your line yeah. about we're breathing again. I think yeah. it was. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's almost as famous as this. I've never felt such. I've been in mission control a lot, but I've never felt such tension oh, sure. as we'd yeah. had in that descent. Things were looking really good till they lit the engine yeah. and started their down. Then we had a, a communication problem. We had to reorient the spacecraft. Then the computer started overloading. And that was a showstopper, I thought, but uh, it turned out it wasn't. But that just increased the tension, and that continued all the way down. And then 7,000 feet, 2,000 meters, he pitches over, and he can't land. We've got him yeah. into the wrong place. And so and that added to the tension. Now we're running out of gas, and that's the final. Yeah. And particularly because it hadn't yeah. been done before. It no. must have been yeah. absolutely. Are we going to make well, it? Are we going to make oh it? Oh, my yeah. gosh. I yeah. called 30 seconds. and. Uh, they were close, but not on the ground. And uh, according to my stopwatch, 13 seconds later, I heard Buzz Aldrin say, contact engine, stop. Hands went up like that. Was you kind of feeling the same when you was coming into? No, uh, uh, we, were, we were fat with fuel. We had a lot of gas, mm -hmm. and uh, John was maneuvering, and uh, uh, we were taking our time coming in. Yeah. and. Uh, our photographs of our landing site had been taken on Apollo 14, but the camera only had resolution of 15 meters. So our landing model for the simulator was based on those photographs. And when we pitched over, there were a lot of holes out there less than 15 meters. Uh, and so we started seeing these craters and blocks of yeah. rocks and stuff. So you had to maneuver around to find a level spot. And John did a great job. I was talking him down. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, uh, we landed with plenty of fuel, and he picked the spot. We were dead level. Uh, and, uh, and Perfect. I love your words when you landed. <laughs> yeah. You were like, hot dog, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, yeah. And, yeah. But, um, <laughs> but of course, you'd had your own problems in that mission while you were orbiting before you did the descent, didn't you? Uh, not in our spacecraft, but in the other spacecraft. Oh, in the, right. In yeah. the, uh, come on, he, module. He had to burn his engine to change his orbit so that if we aborted, uh, he would be out in front of us and we'd be in position for rendezvous. Yeah. Uh, so he had a problem with the control on the secondary controls on the engine, but, uh, and that was an abort because we needed double system, uh, redundant systems. So uh, we got really depressed, you know, oh mm. gosh, they're, you know, eight miles beneath us and come all this way, trained two years and they yeah. let us come home. Yeah. So we were down in the dumps really, and uh, but the mission control came up to speed, took them four hours, but they, they couldn't fix it, but they knew what was wrong, and they gave us a workaround, or gave Mattingly a workaround. Yeah, it was Ken Mattingly, wasn't it, yeah. And uh, so, on the, this was the last rev 
for us to have the cross range to make it back to the the moon is slowly rotating out from under your orbit and so I don't remember which way it, it was this way I guess so anyway uh, we were had to go cross range back to get to the landing spot and that was the last rev we could make it and uh, yeah. so they gave us a go for landing and Mammy's burn went well and we started our decent. So, yeah. and the rest is history. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it's, um, it's, a, it's a dangerous business. Susan, you, your two flights were on Columbia, weren't they? Yes. And then uh, and Columbia was lost on re-entry uh, some years later. Right. Did that make you feel kind of odd to think that that was the craft that you had, you had flown, you had piloted, and, and, and that that sort of thing was possible? Well, first I mourned my friends because mm -hmm. the, there were many of my classmates were on that mission. Right. You do mourn the shuttle a yeah. little bit. Mm -hmm. But it really was the external tank that caused the loss of the shuttle. And that external tank could have gone to any yeah. shuttle. It yeah. wasn't Columbia as much as it was the external yeah. tank. Yeah. But yeah, it was um, definitely a lot of sadness. And, and um, I had left NASA at that time right. and was in Puerto Rico. We did not. We just moved there. We didn't yet have our TV or anything. Yeah, so, so uh, I did it, and somebody yeah. came to get me to, to advise you. And I flew back to Houston after that yeah. to be with everybody. Yeah. But um, a reminder of what margins you're dealing with, and the fact that you can't ever take anything for granted, mm -hmm. can you? I mean, well, not, not in space. I, I, certainly not. Yeah, not in space. But uh, I just want to say that these mm. folks that flew the shuttle took a big risk because they had no escape. Mm -hmm. Sure. It had to work. Yeah. And, wow. uh, and if it didn't work, it didn't it, work. It, it didn't work. <laughs> it was and, a bad uh, day for sure. You know, a Challenger and in Columbia, and uh, in every case, it wasn't the shuttle that mm. broke. No, it yeah. was the, the parts external. Yeah, attached to it. Yeah, right. and uh, so it was. Uh, I mean, I just respected you guys so much, uh, Susan. That uh, mm. I mean, getting on that thing and uh, yep. it was uh, oh, massive, brave Huge. folks. Yeah, it yeah. was a great idea. The whole yeah, reusable space shuttle and mm -hmm. everything, but because it was mounted side by side with the external tank and the rockets, yeah. put it at a lot of risk as opposed to being on top of the stack. So anything yeah. that happened on there could affect the shuttle, mm. whereas if you're on the top, everything's happening below you. Yeah. And I'm sure he shut his rockets probably shut it all kinds of stuff, but yeah. it yeah, went around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what, yeah. and what bailout did you have on an Apollo rocket? To I'm sorry? What, how, what's, what form of bailout did you have if things went wrong? Could, uh, could you actually we, we, the get, uh, we had an escape rocket, a launch escape system. Oh, right. It was a big needle up on the top, it had three little motors, and... The commander had a handle uh, yep. and a control handle, and if he twisted it, uh, rotated it clockwise, you could launch from the launch pad and still make it. Because uh, the thing so could bad. blow up yep. under you, and if it blew up, it was automatic abort. If you had a problem, like on Apollo 12, uh, you, he could have aborted by just uh, ro rotating that handle, and yep. you were up to 5,000 feet, uh, Parachutes went out and you've landed okay. So uh, we had an abort all the way into orbit. We could abort. Okay. Well, um, there's so much we obviously want to ask you both, but you've got a very busy day ahead. Uh, obviously, you're going to visit our VA simulators and see how that compares to how, um, <laughs> how that is when you're in <laughs> space shuttles. We just like to say thank you for your time thank coming you. in, yeah, and, and also Charlie, before you go. I'd like you to sign my Apollo book. <laughs> <laughs> There's a picture in there. I even put my Sharpie in and everything.
I'd like to welcome Cyan Proctor here to our podcast. Welcome, Cyan. How are you? I'm doing well. Really oh my great. God, it's an honour to meet you. You are actually the first African American that flew um, the spacecraft, and you were a pilot for the SpaceX historical. Inspiration Four mission. Tell us about that. So there's four of you that got chosen. Was that right? Well, or? you know, actually, so my commander Jared Isaacman, mm-hmm. he uh, he bought the the seats out. Okay. And so, and he he thoughtfully decided that if this is going to be the first all civilian mission to orbit, mm-hmm. then you have to do it right. And and so instead of just thinking about taking his buddies along, he decided to, you know, pick St. Jude Children's yeah. Research Hospital as as the cause to raise money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, he decided that he was going to fly a childhood cancer survivor, mm-hmm. and that is Haley That's Arsenault. Haley, yeah. And then the, the, the two other seats he decided to give away to regular people wow. um, through contests. Brilliant. Yeah, perfect. You perfect. raised over, I mean, two... I mean, 200 million pounds over that, dollars yes. even, sorry. Yes, and so not only did we hit our goal, but we exceeded, exceeded it. it yeah. And um, But last year, it was a life-changing experience. So I learned about the contest, and I, and I entered um, the prosperity seat, yeah. and that was where you had to show your entrepreneurial spirit by opening up um, a shop. And I had become a space artist, an Afrofuturist artist. And, and so I thought, this is perfect. I can start selling my art. Yeah. And, and then you had to do a two-minute and 20-second Twitter video about why they should select you. <laughs> oh, yes, Twitter, Twitter. Oh, my god. And, and, so, um, and so I created an original poem called Space to Inspire. And, and I read the poem uh, as my video. It went perfect. viral. And then I ended up getting selected as the oh, winner. Well and is that the one you recited last night? No, it's the, a different one. Oh, right. Okay. And so, yeah. And, uh, and so it was this Willy Wonka yeah, golden moment ticket. of the golden ticket yeah. where you're just like, what do you mean I won? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the best part was that, you know, not that I just, I won the my prosperity seat, but then Jared told me, and I would like you to be the mission pilot. Uh, and you did some art up there, didn't you, as well? I did. You did some art up there, and then you took, I believe you took a piece of art up to space. I did. And then the same art that went down on the Titanic. It did, it? and the and Mariana you, Trench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I call it money. adventure art, Yeah, art that goes on adventure. So I made this piece before I knew that I was going to space. And so Richard Garriott, the president of the Explorers Club and astronaut, he went up, he went up on the Soyuz, uh, he, but his dad was a NASA astronaut, so second generation. And he was going down to Challenger Deep on the Mariana Trench, and being born on Guam, um, I was like, wow. And he was taking art and poetry. So I made this piece called Seeker. And, and I gave it to him. And he took it down. And then by the time he came back up to give it to me, I had one inspiration for. And so he was like, did you know this yeah. was going to go to space? And I was like, I had no idea. No. Amazing. <laughs> and then another friend of mine just happened to be going down to the Titanic. And he happens to be a former NASA astronaut who flew five times on the shuttle, Scott Parazinski. And so I gave it to Scott, and he took it down to the Titanic, and then I took it up to space, and and then when I came back, I donated it to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. And it sold on auction for $100,000. Ironically, to my commander, he bought it because he loved the piece. And full circle, Jared... The reason why Jared ended up going to space is that he saw a rocket launch in 
in Russia in 2008, no and it was Richard Garriott's. No. It was. And that's no when he got the idea of yeah, maybe yeah. he would go to space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's, what's the grossest thing about being in space? The grossest. <laughs> yeah, the grossest. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I think the problem is that it, it's not necessarily gross, but you always have to deal with waste. Okay. In some way. And waste cool. management, you know, when people, when we talk about space and space exploration, when you solve for space, you solve for Earth. And what's interesting is that space is all about efficiency mm. in food, water, energy, yeah. waste, shelter. And That's so as that mean. technology mm. gets developed, all of that technology can be used here on Earth to make us more efficient in all of those yeah. areas. And as you all know, waste management is a yeah. big problem here on Earth, just as it yeah, would be up in space. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then you said you entered through Twitter. Did you have to keep it quiet that you've got a seat? Would you not allow that? Would you have to sign a contract? You can't tell anyone. Yes, I couldn't tell anybody until we announced that, uh, you know, but there was a lot of people on Twitter who were waiting because they entered too. And so everybody was like, well, who got it? Who got it? it, You know, you kind of look to see who's silent, who's not saying anything and and stuff like that. But it was a couple of weeks and then they announced and and luckily, you know, it weighed off my shoulders. No pun intended. I was going to say, sit down. I was going to say, sit down, shine and take the weight off. But I thought, no, I I can't possibly use that pun. It, what's interesting is that it, it is uh, you get selected. It's like the Olympics. You make the Olympic team, but you still have to win the gold yeah, medal. Yeah, exactly. So everybody's like, congratulations, yeah, congratulations. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, whoa, yeah, I still have to successfully yeah, become the yeah. mission pilot, oh go to space and come back. Yeah. Then we can celebrate. kind of took from your mission? Like, oh, I'll put that in my bag for a moment. What was fantastic is that um, SpaceX gave us a duffel bag okay. that we could take with us full of stuff. So I try to take as many of my friends and family mm. and students, because I've been a college professor for over 20 years, with me. So I took 31 <laughs> pieces of art by students. Yeah. I took oh, poetry by students. Um, I took gifts for my family and friends and floated all of this stuff. But then I took some stuff for me, like yeah. uh, childhood mementos yeah, yeah, and yeah. things. Suddenly it becomes unique stuff, doesn't it? It does. It's been up there floating around in Earth yeah. orbit. I mean, it's just amazing. And I got to take um, my dad's Neil Armstrong autograph because I was born oh, on Guam. Yeah. Um, my dad was working at the tracking station yeah. for the Apollo the missions. Yeah. For all the missions. Did did it from Apollo, well, from Gemini to Apollo 13. Oh, to 13. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, but after Apollo 11, so I consider myself a moon celebration baby yeah, yeah, yeah. because I was born eight and a half months after Neil Armstrong <laughs> stepped on the moon. Wow. And, you know, wow. uh, and then they did a tour of all of the tracking stations. And so Neil Armstrong, the Apollo 11 crew came to Guam and my dad got thanked by him with an autograph to Ed, thanks for all your help, oh Neil Armstrong. That's and that's been Wonderful. in my family yeah. as this kind of heirloom. Mm. And so I got to bring that to yeah. space. Along. And that inspired you to do what you, you know, you yeah. do now. Oh my God. What, so uh, what key disciplines from a national, do you, can you, uh, what, do, what key disciplines from a national life can be taken to any workplace? Well, you know, I think the big thing is crew cohesion. How do you get along with the other people around you? Working closely. So closely. um, And and working closely. You know, just like with any family or crew, conflict is going to arise. But how do you learn to manage it? How do you deal with it so Mm. that you can still um, be successful and Mm. move forward? And I think that that's a lesson for anywhere, Mm. particularly whether it's in a household, um, the community, the, the workplace. Um, how yeah. do you successfully 
get along with the people that you're working with. Yeah. And how did you do that? About listening and compromise and how did yeah, you? Yeah, you listen. Yeah. Um, you get to understand how each other functions. Yeah. Um, you know, are you a night person? Are you a morning yeah. person? Um, do you need your coffee? Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. your BLT. Um, the, yeah, your yeah. BLT. Good food. <laughs> do, you, do you get hangry? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But these are little things that over time when you're interacting, you get to pick up on yeah. um, how people are and, and then being respectful yeah. by understanding. Yeah, completely. In when fact, it, a lot of yeah. that, that um, crew resource management was, was developed with, with the early days of the space crew. Absolutely. I mean, and it's now been taken into the flying industry, yeah. into, into medicine with, with mm. surgeons and their mm-hmm. teams. Yeah. And it is massively important. It yeah. really is. And I think that that's one of the things, you know, um, getting kids uh, to in, in school systems mm. to kind of like work on those kinds of things too. Mm. So that yeah. when, as they do, as you're developing, that you understand how to get that social interaction, those mm. soft skills yeah. that that you need uh, in the workforce. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, thank because you. they're not. They're not. Sorry, That's I right. to but those things aren't taught by teachers, are they? So they're taught by yourselves, who are inspirational, who've gone through all that. Yeah. You know, to... it's one of the things that I've seen that we're kind of rotating in the educational system to think about the soft skills more, yeah. because that is what Carries industry it. is looking for. Because you. You want problem solvers that can get along with others mm. really, really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's oh. what astronauts yeah. do, 100%. You have to. Oh. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Sian, I know you've got a really busy day, and we'd like to thank you for your time for um, coming in with us. Um, before you do go, got a nice little gift you can take back with you. It's the form of British Airways. Uh, but oh, thank you so much for coming and enjoying our podcast. It's, it's not a picture of Paul. It's not a picture of me. You can have a picture of me. It's a book. This is our, awesome. So in 2019, it was 100 years of BA. This is posters. great. 100 years of yeah. British Airways. And it's been signed by our chairman, Sean this Doyle, as well. This is so nice. Thank you. Yeah, oh, I have an aviation um, thing to tell you. So oh, yeah. It's talking about 100 years. So in um, 1921, Bessie Coleman became the first black female to get her pilot's license. She had to go to France to do it in the United States. Mm. Um, well, in the world, actually. And she went to France and became, you know, a pilot. And then 100 years later, in 2021, I became the first black female pilot Yay. of a spacecraft. So 100 years. Nice. Yes. Oh, and that's so Well, there we go. We've come to the end of our special oh, edition God, of the was... Space, uh, our Space Edition podcast. How was that for you, That Jules? is going to be hard to beat. I mean, yeah. that, that is just the two, two, three really inspirational people. Definitely. It's people that you, when you were young, do you remember looking at the moon or, or hearing about the moon landings and thinking, Will I ever meet an astronaut or what's it like to be up there? Just astonishing. And just they're astonishing. such lovely people, oh, no. you, aren't they? They're oh, very, so lovely. Very down to earth. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I've got, oh, no. I think I've got a bit... Oh, oh. no. Um, but don't forget, you can get in contact with us on, on our one page. If, yep. you've got any, if you want any programmes or yeah. anything you want us to chat to, just get on our chat forum. But for me... Caroline. And me, Julian. We'll see you again soon. Oh, bye-bye. Right, thanks, Paul. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening.